All right. So um, this is open mic week two. Man, last week was awesome. If you were here, you already know that. It was so, so good. Let me tell you how this morning is going to go. Um, you know, we've had, we've had forms online for people to fill out. So what we're trying to do is we want to honor the people that have filled those forms out, make sure they get to share first. And then if we have time, we, you know, if you're here and you walked in and went, man, I really want to share today. If we have time, we'd love to get you up here. If we don't have time, let me just say what we'll do is we'll just do it again next week. I'm cool with that too, right? Um, what I love is that the church is walking into church saying, I think the Lord's got something he wants to say through me. You just have no idea how, you know, you ever heard somebody say, I want to be a New Testament church? Usually they say that because they want to be bigger. But the New Testament church spoke to each other like this. This is what happened in the New Testament church. Like people, God would, hello, the train. Did y'all see the train just pulling to the tunnel? It's crazy. The, the church would come to church and speak to the church, and I love that. So, um, again, if you're here and you didn't sign up and you're, you just feel like, man, if I don't share, I'm going to die, you just don't die this week, right? Next week we'll make sure, if we, if we don't have time this morning, we'll make sure that we get you up. So we've got five people that are going to share this morning to start with. Um, and the f- first one, it's always fun to be first, isn't it? That was really awkward, actually. Um, but it's really, it's really cool to have Jason come. Uh, y'all know Jason Phibbs. He's spoken here before. So give Jason a big gathering welcome. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to read this so I, I can get off and somebody else can get up here. But um, this past week, the Lord laid something on my heart to share with all those walking through a very difficult time. So if that's you, I pray God will use this to minister to you. The past year has been one of the toughest of my life, and it's still tough. After being in this place for so long, I found it tough to pray. Not because I have nothing to pray for, but because I have nothing left to say about that for which I'm praying. So this past week, I was listening to the Bible app read Isaiah 40, and God said to me, when you have nothing left to say, say thank you. He showed me that while things are tough, there is still so much to be thankful for. And I noticed in that moment that considering what I had to be thankful for forced me to look up from my circumstance and see that he is still good and still at work in my life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul says, give thanks in and not for everything, meaning we are to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. So yes, I'm in one of the toughest moments of my life, but I'm thankful. Not thankful for the situation, thankful that God is bearing the fruit of the Spirit, patience and long-suffering in my life, which has given me hope when hope doesn't make sense. Thankful that while attending a wedding yesterday, I see that God has been faithful to help Amy and I live out the covenant we made 20 years ago next month. And on this Father's Day, I'm thankful for the blessing of being the father, the only earthly father, to Ben and Sam, not because of their accomplishments, talents, or character, though they are rich in them all, but because they are mine and God entrusted them to me. So for all my fellow travelers in the valley, when you've said all you have to say to God about your situation, Look up and say thank you. I'd like to close with this song of thanks by one of the things I'm thankful for, which is my Kirk Franklin Pandora radio station, which has been a blessing to me. This song is by Smokey Norfolk called Dear God, Blessings to You All. Thank you so much, Jason, for sharing that. How many of you would say, that's me, that's something I needed this morning to encourage me? Just want Jason to see those hands. That's fantastic. Mm. 
It's amazing the power of thankfulness. It's amazing how that will change our perspective. So um, a lot of you know Leslie, but you've not ever heard Leslie. So this morning you're going to hear for the first time. Y'all give Leslie a humongous gathering welcome as she comes. Wow. (laughs) Good morning. I tell you, it doesn't take much to excite me when it comes to watching God do little things. So when last week when Pastor Paul said that the theme of this was our words, I about came out of my chair because that was what the Lord impressed upon me to share about. And how many of you have ever heard of the rice experiment where you talk to rice? Don't feel bad because I hadn't either until about two weeks ago. But what it is, is this is something that has been scientifically proven. It has been duplicated over and over and over again with the same results where you take two glass jars and you fill them about a third of the way full with cooked white rice, equal amounts. You label one love, blessing, something positive. You label the other jar hate, cursing, or something negative. And the idea is you just sit these two jars of rice somewhere in your house, close together, and every day you walk by the jars, and to the love jar, you say, I love you, rice. You're a blessing. And to the hate rice, you tell it how despicable it is and how much you despise it. And so I got really, really excited about this experiment because it's been proven. So you're supposed to leave it for 30 days and just watch what happens to the rice. The love rice is supposed to stay white and fluffy and live, and the hate rice turns black and moldy and dies. So it lined up with one of my favorite scriptures, which is in Proverbs 18.21, that says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruit. And so... That was a really hard concept for me to get hold of when I first became a Christian. I did not understand what difference it made, what words came out of my mouth. And yet we are trained in our society to speak negatively. It's acceptable to speak negatively. It is almost frowned upon when we speak positively. And if you were to get out of your car at Walmart... And the guy beside you was over there wailing on his tires and beating the hood and saying, you stupid car, you're nothing but a piece of junk. We think that's completely normal. It's like, yeah, I think I used to have that car. (laughs) But if you were to get out of your car and the person beside you is going, oh, car, you're such a blessing. Thank you for blowing cool air in my face when it's this hot. Thank you for getting me everywhere I need to go. You're going to think, this person's kind of kooky. I'm going to go the long way around and and not make eye contact with them. Because we're trained to think that it's normal to kick your car, but it's abnormal to speak positively to your car. And we do the same thing to ourselves. I can tell you that I have nappy hair and I can't do anything with it. And if my head wasn't attached, I'd have left it at the house this morning. But if I were to tell you what great hair I have, and that I have the mind of Christ, and I know all things, you're going to think I'm conceited, because that's the way we're trained. But I had made a, a commitment to God early on when my children were really small, that I was only going to speak positively into their lives, 
no matter what it looked like because I knew that the world was going to be tearing them down. Their teachers, um, friends, just because that's what society does. They're going to tell them you're never going to amount to anything. And so as their mother, I wanted the end result to be adults that made it. And so that was, that was my plan for life. So now we're going to get back to the rice experiment. And every morning I'd get up and I'd grab my love rice and I'd talk love to my love rice. And I would talk despise to my hate rice. You will never amount to anything. You've never nourished anybody and you never will. And that went on for several days. And one day my husband caught me and that was awkward. <laughs> But I, but I wanted, I was, I had put my mind to doing it because I wanted to really see how this turned out. And everything was going good for up to day six. There was really no change in either jar of rice. And, and it can take up to 30 days, so I wasn't alarmed. I just kept doing my thing. But on the seventh day when I got up and I got my love rice down, it wasn't looking so good. It had turned this funky shade of kind of salmon pink and I thought oh no this, this isn't good I must have done something wrong I, I must I must not have cooked it long enough or or I must have let too much air get in the jar so you know I, I guess my rice experiment failed but then I got the hate jar down and it was still white and fluffy and I tell you, I was disappointed now, I was real disappointed because not only had my experiment seemed to have not gone well, it totally gave me the opposite result that I was looking for. And so my first thought was, I'm just going to scrap this. You know, it, it doesn't change what I believe about the Word of God because I've already seen this proven out in my life. But how can some scientist that doesn't even know God get this to work and somebody that believes the Word can't get it to work? So I just kind of struggled with it for a day or two, and I left it sitting there on the counter, and I'd walk by every once in a while and say, yeah, I love you old pink rice, and I still despise you white rice. <laughs> but, but I'd kind of lost my mojo by that point. But then this past Friday morning, I got up to go for my walk, which I do most mornings, and I really didn't have an agenda. That's just my prayer time, me and God. We just talk and discuss some stuff, and... We were, I was just walking along and thanking him and praising him. And then I thought about that rice. And I said, Lord, I just I don't understand. I said, what, what happened with the rice? And he said, let me ask you something. When your son was 10 years old and his teacher called and she said, come get this kid. I can't do anything else with him if you don't come pick him up. He's not ever coming back to this school again. He said, did you change what you were saying about your son? No, I didn't change what I was saying. He said, well, let me ask you something else. When he was 13 and you realized that he had taken the motor off your brand new tiller and put it on his go-kart <laughs> on his brand new bedroom carpet, did you change what you were saying about your son? said, no, I didn't change what I was saying. He said, what about the time he was 17 and you had given him your Honda Civic and him and his buddies went out in Grandpa's shop and took a blowtorch and turned it into a convertible? 
did you change what you were saying then? And I said, no, Lord. I never changed what I was saying. It was stupid, but I never changed what I was saying. And he got wet later, but I never changed what I was saying. And he said, why? Why didn't you change what you were saying? I said, because I loved him. I loved him too much. And I'm not looking at what's happening right now. I'm looking at the end result. And this is what you've promised me. And so I'm not changing my words. And then you know what he said to me? What you been telling that pink rice? I've been telling it that I love it. So it turns a little bit pink. And now you don't love it anymore. And the light bulb came on. I couldn't wait to get back to the house. And I'm not a runner, so, you know, if I run, most people walk faster than I run. But I got back to the house pretty quick. And I went in there, and I grabbed my pink rice. And I said, I will never give up on you. I know that's crazy. Don't judge me. I will never give up on you, pink rice. I love you. I told you I love you, and I will always love you. For 30 days, I'll love you. And you other hate rice, I still despise you. And so, I want to show you something. They say a picture speaks a thousand words. When I got up and looked at my rice, now this rice is my pink rice. It's got a little pink dot still. Since that day, that rice has not changed much. But look at my other rice. It's starting to turn black. Now show them the other picture. Look at the mold growing in the black rice, in the hate rice. The pink rice has not changed from the, the day that I first saw it turning pink. But the other one is changing, and it is turning black and molding. And the Lord told me, he said, where most people miss it and where they lose their victory is that when the rice turns pink, they're ready to throw it out. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. And they that love it will eat its fruit. Amen. Wow. So I know a lot of you are going to go home and try that experiment, right? I could just sense it. So can I encourage you with this? Um, I mean, definitely try that experiment if you'd like to and take pictures. That'd be cool to see. But we don't really have to do that, right? Because all of us are living proof of how powerful words are. So I would say uh, just start speaking life to people. Try it. If you want to experiment, try it at work. Try it at home. Try it at the, just try it at the dinner table. Actually get to the dinner table, right? So how many of you can relate to words? Like maybe, man, I should change the words I'm saying, right? Um, Leslie, thank you for sharing that. That's just the fruit of that. Can we pray? Father, in your name, Jesus, we just receive that word from you. I thank you that it is true that what we say impacts the insides of other people. It impacts our world. And so we are just committed, God, to speaking your word over people and over situations. Thank you, God, for life in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
So you probably know Jeremy. Um, you see him around here serving all the time. He serves back in the back a lot, so you may not see him when he's back at the computer. But Jeremy's going to come give him a huge welcome. Hey everyone. Um, well, I actually had different plans. I planned on doing I planned on doing poetry or some kind of creative writing, but God said no. I want you to give your testimony. I want you to share your story. So I spent a week working on it. Yesterday, God said no. <laughs> You're not done yet. And then he opened my mind to all the memories that I had that I had forgotten about. The blessing is they were all good. See, the, when I came here, what impressed me first is the feeling of family. And family has been very complicated for me. I put up walls in my mind to block the past, and I forgot most of my past. So this is what I can tell you. It's the truth. When I was born, I was born with epilepsy. I was born to a poor, single, teenage mother. I've lived in the projects. I've lived in the ghetto. But God has seen me through all of it. I've been on welfare and food stamps. We got our food from the food bank, the mission. Sometimes I didn't have a bed and I slept on a couch. But I've always had food, shelter, and love. For the first few years that I can remember, my mom was married to an abusive man. But I do have some good memories of him. And I learned that he was, had an addiction to his substances. I think deep down he really loved us, and I hope that he came to Christ. During that time, though, God blessed me with my grandmother, who was the light in my darkness. She used to take care of me, sing me hymns, read me scriptures, and plant the seed of faith in my heart. My mother is bipolar, and she suffers from anxiety. She used to drink to cope with that, and did so for a long time. That being said, she loved our, my brother and I dearly, and she did everything she could to take care of us. She was the neighborhood mom, and she would let people sleep there if they needed a place to stay, and she, they needed food. The kindness was always there. No one was ever unwelcome. I've had several father figures in my life. Instead, and hold on to the good memories. I felt abandoned and rejected over and over again. I didn't really get to know my dad till I was eight. He's a kind man, and he made some mistakes. I would see him every other weekend, but I never felt like I belonged there. And for a long time, I held anger, resentment, even though I loved him. Now, we're actually very close, and I have a lot of good memories. 
he is uh, very kind and, to, and loving to everyone he meets, and he would literally give you the shirt off his back. He has become one of my spiritual advisors, and we often have biblical discussions. School was rough. I was an outcast, and I was torn to men most of the way through school. I was in LD classes most of my school career, and I'm dyslexic. I'm also, I was also awkward, and I suffered from depression and anxiety. But I had some friends, and I had teachers that were a light in the darkness. But when I was 16, my depression got really, really bad. And I drank poison. And I was laying there, I saw a horrific vision. But God saved me. He made it like I had never drank the poison. Shortly after that, I got invited to a Christmas party. I didn't have to spend Christmas alone. After that, my family got active in the church, and life was really good. We were baptized. I was on the youth council, and the first time I was my life, I was popular. But a storm came in our lives and knocked us off course. My baby brother, he got into drugs. My mom started drinking again because she had quit for a few years. My depression got really bad. I just, I was not, at that time, I was not a good person. I was extremely promiscuous. I slept around a lot. I was addicted to porn. I was full of anger, pain, loneliness, and, and any distraction would do. I've been, I bought into the lie that no one really cared about me or loved me. I was a heavy drinker. I was full of anger, self-hate, and unforgiveness. I lashed out at people. I said horrible things. I used to, yes, I used to cuss and yell at people. And without warning, I would cut people out of my life if they hurt me. I was so filled with anger and pain that I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. The walls went up around my mind and my heart until I was numb to everything. I couldn't accept Christ's love because I didn't think I was worthy of being loved. A while back, a few years ago, my, my brother William got arrested. And I blamed myself for that, for not being the brother that he needed. I couldn't even talk to Kim about that. Then when Teen Challenge came a couple years ago, and I was hoping for something to get something from it to help my brother with his addictions. Instead, I was freed from the weights that were holding me down. That day, Jesus found me. I didn't find him. He found me. My soul was crying out to him to save me, to bring me back. That day, I stopped hating myself, and I started to love myself. I learned how to accept love and give love to others. Since then, God has shown me why. Why I went through the things I did in my life. He showed me that I went through the 
abuse and domestic violence so that I could relate to those who have been through that. He allowed me to be an outcast so that I could be friend to others who are considered outcasts and not judge them. I was allowed to be poor so I could reach out to the poor. He has shown me love so that I can love others. Now, there is times in my life when I hated abusers, but God has shown me that they were abused at some point in their life, and that's part of the cycle. And I can show them love and encourage them to break the cycle. Now, here is what God has done in my life. During the six months of my probation, I did meet, I met missionaries at the LDS church. And that following year, my mom and my brothers and I were baptized. My mom has quit drinking, and she's married to a loving and kind and gentle man. He gave me two wonderful grandmothers that gave me the knowledge of, of Scripture. He spared my dad's life and healed him from cancer. He's healed my brother from a work-related accident that should have killed him. My brother William is getting clean. He's bettering his life. He took away my epilepsy. He took away my depression. He has taken away my anxiety. Some of you may feel unloved, feel abandoned, or worthless. I want to tell you that you are loved. God sent his only son to be beaten, tortured, and killed on the cross. Jesus took all of God's wrath that you might be spared. His son is everything to him. He sent him to die for us. That makes you worth more than you could ever imagine. So let us remember that we are not alone. We are not worthless. We are loved. First, um, thanks just for the honor of sharing that with us. And yeah, I kept thinking the whole time you were talking, like the Lord started the gathering for Jeremy. And he does it all over the place, right? I mean, you were describing who you were growing up. And I kept thinking every time, how many of you go down and serve at the community table? You serve Jeremy. I mean, this is what I kept thinking the whole time. You know, we were loving you before we even met you. This is who we are as a church, and um, I'm so honored to have you here and, and that you would share that with us. How many of you either have a past or know somebody that has a past in your family, and you're just like, I don't know if God could ever overcome. I mean, Paul, you talk about redemption all the time, but I'm just not sure. I think they might be too far beyond redemption. Anybody relate to that? That's the testimony for you, that nobody is beyond redemption. Nobody, no situation, nobody. And man, the way that, so I just noticed stuff, right? The way you got to page four, and then your face lit up when you said, now here's what God's done for me. That's the power of transformation. 
I don't know if you saw that or not, but that's the power of transformation, and he's changing your life. And we're just honored to get to watch it. Can we pray for that transformation for those of you that are here um, that desperately need to see that in your families? Lord, in our lives and in people that we love, we long to see transformation. And so I thank you for Jeremy. I thank you for his testimony. I thank you that it points to a God who overcomes and transforms. And so we just trust you, God, that you're going to continue that process in us and in people that we love that they would see the transformation in their lives that Jeremy is seeing in his. In your name, Jesus, amen. Oh, hey, Amy. It's Amy Fibbs, the other half of the Fibbs family. There you go. All right, so like Jason said, yesterday we went to a beautiful wedding on the beach at 9 o'clock in the morning. It was so just lovely. Um, and so um, as I was listening to the vows and um, thinking about this past year, God just really laid on my heart that he wanted me to share this this morning. Um, so like Jason said, this past year has been what I hope to be the worst of my life. I hope it won't ever be any worse than this. Um, struggle, like just, you know, maybe one day I'll get up and be able to lay that out and see the Anyway, God has been gracious to me through many ways. Um, his word and his spirit and his people, many of you here. Um, I'm going to make it through this, but none more consistent and loving than through my husband of almost 20 years, Jason Phipps. He has been Jesus to me every day and has lived out those vows of better or worse and the commands um, from God's word in Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or in any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. <clears throat> he who loves his wife loves himself. He has exemplified the love Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul teaches. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 isn't just for, like, weddings or blankets or things like that. It's for what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to love each other. But today, for, for us, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. 
love never fails, and that is what I'm believing in and declaring over my life, the life of my marriage, and the life of my family, that love never fails. And it doesn't when we allow the Spirit to live through us, and when we choose, yes, choose, we have to choose to continue loving through the most difficult times. So to close, I want to thank God for Jason, for the love and grace and faithfulness that he has shown through the gift of my husband. And I want to thank Jason for being Christ to me and for loving me and our boys with the love of Christ laying down your life for us. Thank you for showing Ben and Sam a picture of a godly husband and father. And I want to encourage you that no matter where you are in your marriage or in other relationships, to remember through the power and strength and grace of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word, that you can love each other well and to know and to believe that love never fails. Uh, we should probably pray for marriages. Um, you ever watch Hallmark movies? And you're like, God, I just want to get love like that. Can I say that as a guy? Can a dude say that? Can we just scratch the Hallmark channel? Because you have a live testimony, real life testimony right there in front of us. Because you're talking, and I'm like, man, I want my wife to say that about me. You know, that's, and that's how all of us are, right? Am I the only one in here that hears that testimony? I'm like, that's, God, write that story in our marriage right, or keep writing it, or start writing it, and so if that's you, and you want that, man, would you just raise your hand and say, that encouraged my marriage, that, or that encouraged me to prepare for marriage, whatever the case may be, but the standard that y'all are setting with those testimonies encourage us, and I want you to see those hands, so Father, in your name, Jesus, right now, we thank you that we have the opportunity in our marriages, God, to point people to the love of Christ, I thank you for the fibs, God. I thank you for the way that they are pressing into you and loving you and trusting you. And I just echo your word again over their marriage and over their situations that love never fails. We didn't come up with that concept. You did. And you, man, you've orchestrated what Leslie shared about the power of our words, God. We speak that word over them and over our situations that your love will never fail. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, we've got time for one more. So again, if you're here and you're like, man, I really wanted to share next week, okay? We'll just extend it next week. I want to give you all time to have the mic and share. Um, But Erica signed up. We're going to let her come, and she's going to kind of close this out for us. Give Erica a huge gathering welcome. Good morning. How are y'all? So I've been in a season where God's like, just be quiet, just be quiet. Everybody hears you. You're always talking. Just be quiet. Um, so a couple of days ago, he's like, okay, it's time to talk. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, no, it's time to talk and you need to go last. And I'm like, 
that's fine. And I realized um, that he wanted me to go last um, because in Revelations 12, verse 11, it says, They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and the work of your testimony. And I'm here to tell you that every testimony that has came across this stage that is out in the um, seating area right now, um, these are people that are moving people, and, and I wasn't planning on saying this, but they're moving people in community group. If you're not in a community group, plug yourself in. Take a step and plug yourself in because these testimonies are being lived out. Um, I listened to Shannon's again and again from last week. I live that out. Um, it, there's so many that I've lived out um, that God has allowed me to be a part of. Get in and um, be plugged in with people that are seeking him because um, they will play out in your testimony as well. Um, so I won't talk long because he, he said, okay, I've given you the mic to talk. Now don't talk too much. I'm like, Okay, that's fine. Um, so every summer for the past... 12 years I've been teaching, um, he prunes me in the summertime. I mean, he cuts me back short, and then he reveals, like, really good things. And um, this summer was um, quite the exception because he, like, chopped me off at the very bottom, um, almost to the root. Um, for those of you that know me, I went through a season um, where I was going to go into leadership, and I'm still headed that route. Um, but maybe four or five days ago, um, I did not get the result that I thought I was going to get. And I'm like, but I had it figured out. You've let me be in control this whole time. I thought I was going to do certain things. And the Lord laid on my spirit. He said, you're going to Samaria. He was like, I'm sending you to Samaria. And I'm like, well, I don't know, um, but I'm not so sure about that. So I want to share um, what that means to go to Samaria, what that looked like for Jesus. I'm trying to go, I'm trying to be technologically savvy. And I'm going to start off in verse thir- um, verse 4. So Jesus is with his disciples and, and he's gonna, they're going to go on their way. And then it says he had to go through Samaria. It didn't say he chose to go. It didn't say, oh, I see somebody hurting over there, so I'm going to go. It said he had to go through Samaria. And I'm like, all right, Lord, that's had. That's good. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village near the field of Jacob. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat by a well. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone and at that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. Um, And Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God and what he has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me, I would give you living water. And she said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, this well is very deep. Where would you get living water? Besides... Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? And Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks from this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink from the water I give you will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
And the story goes on that he says, you're not even, she's saying, you're not even supposed to speak to me. I'm not supposed to be here with you. And he said, but I am. And I want you to go. And, I, and he reveals to her um, that she has many husbands. And he's, he's still, he's just not judging her. But he sends her out. And so the woman at the well ends up going out. And she's telling everybody about Jesus. And so I'm here to tell you today, if he's sending you on a journey to Samaria, which he is, some of you, there's somebody here today that is um, being called to go to Samaria, somewhere you didn't think you were supposed to go. And some of you here today are the women at the well. You think you're not supposed to um, be worthy. You think you're not supposed to go and tell people. And I'm here to tell you that whether you're going to Samaria or you're the woman at the well, he's sending us all. And you have to be okay with where he sends you. And when he sends you, you can have the power of his word. So I'm going to leave you with this. If you are struggling, consider it pure joy. In James 1-2, he says that that joy... Um, is your strength and he says that consider it pure joy when you go through that tribulation because he's working something good in you so I ask you if he's telling you to go to Samaria don't try to take your own path follow the path to Samaria he's sending you to touch somebody and if you're the woman at the well accept it and then go follow and find another woman at the well thank you That's good. Um, how many of you are planners? So unknown stuff can shake planners up, right? Actually, if we're honest, unknown stuff will shake anybody up, but really does a number on planners. And so I know that Erica has a song that um, has been really special to them kind of during this season. So we're going to close with that. And here's what we're going to do. This is going to kind of be like our time to respond. Is that cool with you? Um, I don't know how you respond. You might respond with your head down. You might respond standing up singing the songs. I think it's actually a lyric video, so the words will be up on the screen. You probably have heard this song before. Um, but this is a good time for us to just take our plans and say, hey, God, this jacks me up, but I'm going to take courage in the fact that you're leading me. I love that he had to go to Samaria. So if Jesus had to go, then he's got a purpose for us as well. Um, so whatever that looks like for you, okay, this is your chance to respond. Before we play the, the song and we pray, how many of you would say, thanks, Erica, for sharing that, that related to right where I am. Just look around real quick, Erica. It's not for your glory, obviously. but So we can just see, wow, God, this is why you laid this on my heart. Um, so as we um, close, man, Think about the words of this song, and then I'll come back up when it's over, and we'll, we'll close out in prayer. All right, so I think that's going to be the word for us today. He's in the waiting. And so the, the five testimonies that we've heard today, um, they've spoken to all or some of you, and a lot of you that hear the testimonies are like, I can't wait until the season I'm in looks like what they just shared, right? And so we can all relate to that waiting. And so can we just close this morning um, praying for those of you who are who are who here would say that's me. I'm in. I'm still waiting for like my testimony to be done. Right. Even some of us that shared, we're still waiting. Right. And so we're going to pray over you, and we're going to pray specifically um, for Jason, for Amy, for Jeremy, for Erica, and for Leslie. So if you're sitting near them, why don't you put your hand on their shoulders? Because we're going to pray. You know that once you start giving God glory, Satan's like, come on. And it's all good because we have the victory in Christ, right? We're not scared of that at all. He's just a big loser. 
That's all he is. He just can be a loud one sometimes. So, Father, we close this morning thanking you for our brothers and our sisters. Um, I thank you that you, I love, I love being a pastor in an army of people who can hear the Spirit speak. I love that I'm not the only voice. That's not the way you designed it. And that the church can encourage the church. And so we thank you for the encouragement that we've received this morning from these testimonies. Um, God, those of us that are in the waiting, man, it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait in line. It's hard to wait in the doctor's office. It's hard to wait on results. It's hard. But you are in the waiting. You don't leave us on our own and check back with us later. You're with us the entire way. And so we take courage in that word, and we pray specifically, God, this morning for Jason and for Amy, for Leslie, for Erica, and for Jeremy. We thank you for their willingness to share with us, and we pray protection around them. I pray this would be an amazing week for them, God, that they would continue to see your strong hand supporting them. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Listen.